right. Okay. So tonight it's on something out of nothing. I almost had nothing there for a minute. All right. So usually in the front end I try to do a humor because studies have found that a good laugh can boost our dopamine levels and even store up our immune system. So we could use a little bit of that right now. Okay. So are you ready? So laugh hard. Okay. There's a scientist and God. And the scientist challenges God to a contest of who can make the better human being. God tells them that he's on. At which time the scientist, in great delight, bends over to pick up some dust to make his human being. Then God says, no, 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 you go find your own dust. <laughs> Isn't that good? <laughs> So we're kind of at the dust level tonight. We're going to talk about how does God make something out of nothing. So we can create, but we just don't have the divine ability to create out of nothing. We create of something God's already created. So how about we start with prayer and prepare our hearts. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and we choose to engage with you right here, right now. We choose to put down the walls we've put up that we believe protect us, but really they just hinder. Give us hope and faith, joy and peace about this new year, 2023. We choose to erase the plans we've made that are not yours or give you the blank whiteboard with no plans written on it. We submit to you to hear what you say is possible. The plan you have for our lives is always better than any plan that we have. We ask you to forgive us for anything we've planned that is not what you want. Help us to embrace or at least be willing to peek at what you want. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. So the message is entitled, Something Out of Nothing. So you've probably heard the saying, I got nothing. And it means I don't have the answer. I don't have a clue. There's nothing to work with here. Right? I've been there. So after living through the last year, 2022, what are you thinking about this year? Some of us are just glad we made it to 2023. So coming out of 2022 with nothing for 2023 except a vague hope that it would be better than 2022, that could be what, we're, what our goal is. But that's not really a plan. It might be a wish. It might be a hope. But it's not a plan. A plan is a detailed proposal. So how many of you have a detailed proposal for 2023? Okay, we got one. Up oh, and a half. <laughs> okay. All righty. So when we think about what we want to be better, it might be a better relationship or relationships. Maybe we had a really bad year. Or no more debt or start a business or a ministry, or maybe it's freedom that we need, or you want your family to be serving the Lord, or you want a prodigal to come home, or you want to retire, which isn't really biblical, but you could, you know, try it for a while, um, maybe a new job, or maybe you want to conceive and start a family, and there can be others, there could be a long list of what you want. So tonight, the only thing you need to bring to the table or to the chair is something you'd love to change, something you feel like looks like nothing, 
and a willingness for God to change your mind about what's truly possible in your situation and to identify maybe what your nothing is. So let's start by defining nothing. Okay? So Merriam-Webster says nothing is not anything. No single thing. No prospects. But here's my favorite. Something that does not exist. So some of you are probably thinking that defines something in your life. In scripture, I'm going to use two examples of somebody's nothing. The first one is Elijah and the widow. The widow had nothing. So I'm going to read 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. It says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And now his creditors coming to take my two children as slaves. How can I help you? asked Elisha. Tell me what do you have in the house? She answered, Your servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. So she didn't really have totally nothing, but she had a jar of oil. Go, said Elisha, borrow jars, even empty ones, from all your neighbors. Do not gather just a few, then go, out, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, and pour into all these jars, setting the full ones aside. So she left him, and after she had shut the door behind her and her sons, they kept bringing jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another. But he replied, there are no more jars. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. Then you and your sons can live on the remainder. So the widow's nothing was her income. She had nothing, and she was going to lose her sons. Now, she knew where to go. I'd never thought about it when I read this before. She knew to go to the prophet, that he was a man of God. She knew he was a prophet. I never saw, I never really read verse 1 before, and it says, a woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. So she was the wife of a son of a prophet. She knew what a prophet could do. So she was instructed by Elijah in his question to go and take stock of her nothingness. It's easy and it comes naturally to take stock when we have abundance. Makes us feel secure and we're good. But when we have too little, taking stock can be painful. We avoid it and we postpone it. We don't like to be reminded of our scarcity and that we're lacking. All right. All right, the second example is Abraham. In Romans 4.17, God had told him, I have made you the father of many nations. We, we all know that story. So what did he have? Nothing. No dependents, no children, no longer able to conceive, way past the age. He had nothing. Sarah had nothing. Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. He believed God <coughs> could bring nothing out, bring something out of nothing. And so here we are. Right? <laughs> now, I want to share a story here. I had a Turkish friend, and um, he likes to play practical jokes on me. <laughs> so we were using the sanctuary for a freedom night one month and a couple of years ago, and I thought he was in Turkey. I had no idea, you know, that he was local. I'd just gotten part of the way through the message, 
And all of a sudden, I saw him walking down the hall, and I went, and I stopped right in the middle of the message. So he would do things like that to me and just surprise me. So one night, he came to one of my prophet meetings where we do a mystery guest, and he said, I have some friends that are here from Turkey. How about if your prophet group prophesies over them? I said, sure. So I figured they were students because they were, you know, at Regent, and uh, they were just in town, and he didn't tell me on purpose. And so we prophesied over them, and then I find out when we're in the kitchen eating snacks, they're two huge ministry leaders in Turkey. He didn't tell me. He just grinned when one, one of them told me what he did. He's looking back at me grinning. So we were at his graduation party as, at Isaac's house, and there were just tons of students there, all international. So I was looking forward to meeting everybody. And I walk in, and my friend says, he, he, at the door, he goes, see that seat right there, sit right there. And I said, okay. So I go in and I just start talking to everybody. And he comes over and he goes, come here, come here, come here. He goes, go sit over there. <laughs> so finally I went, why? You know, I don't know them. And he said, that's my sister. She can't conceive. And I went, oh, it's another setup, right? <laughs> so I thought, okay. So I go sit by her. So I introduce myself and I say, are you married? She says, yes. I said, do you have any children? I'm just going straight for it, right? <laughs> and uh, she said, no, we can't have children. We've been trying for many years to have children. I said, well, would you be all right if I prayed for you? And we'll just ask God what the hindrance is. And she went, sure. So here's this party going on and we're over in the corner. We're praying for a baby. So several months later, they, and the sister and her husband went back to Turkey. A few months later, this friend of mine texted me and said, She's pregnant. I was all excited. Then months later, he texts me, and he goes, she had the baby, and there's a picture, and it's twins. <laughs> Isn't that cool? So when God makes something out of nothing, he goes, yeah, double blessing. Isn't that great? So I'll pass on that one in my life right now, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, God promises it in Psalm 23.1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the original, it actually says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. There's no lack. Not that just something you want will be there, but there is no lack. You will not lack, which is a promise. So if we're lacking, something's wrong. It's not God. Now, nothing. Think about this. God creates something where there's nothing. So I was thinking about this as I was writing it. That's how we came to Christ in the first place. I mean, I had nothing. I don't know about you. <laughs> Maybe you had something. I had nothing. Um, there was no faith, no hope. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Some of us were even actively rebelling against God. So something came out of nothing. That's the biggest something that can come out of nothing. So let's look at Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. And it says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So there's nothing too hard for God. And then in the Matthew Henry's concise commentary on that verse, or verse 16 through 25, it says, When at any time we're perplexed about the methods of providence, and the word providence means God's preserving and governing all things, it is good for us to look at first principles. <clears throat> Let us consider that God is the fountain of all power and life, and that with him no difficulty is such 
this cannot be overcome. That he is a God of boundless mercy. He is a God of strict justice and that he directs everything for the best. Jeremiah owns that God was righteous in causing evil to come upon them. They had disobeyed him. Whatever trouble we're in, personal or public, we may comfort ourselves that the Lord sees it and he knows how to remedy it. He must, we must not dispute his will, but we may seek to find out what it means. There's often I go, okay, I see it. And if this is you, I just need to know, can we talk about why and why me? <laughs> like a good father would tell his child why they're being disciplined. So if this is discipline, can we talk about it? And it makes it a little easier. Okay, so if we have one or more nothings in our lives, how do we get something out of nothing? So step one is we identify and acknowledge or recognize our nothing. So you can't ask God for something if you don't know what your nothing was, okay? So for the widow, nothing was the loss of her sons as slaves to pay her debt. Elijah asked her to borrow vessels with a nothing in them, and something came out of nothing. For the disciples in Luke 9.3, he told them, when he told them to go out two by two, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Here, nothing meant not even one. And I'm like, I hope it wasn't a long journey. Same shirt for how long? <laughs> I don't understand. I haven't asked him about that one. <laughs> Uh, the opposite of acknowledge or recognize is to deny. So if I deny there's nothing, I won't ask for something in its place. Right? Yep. So what is your nothing? We probably, I have a list <laughs> that I keep in this space in case he's, you know. Maybe it's a prodigal. I mean, just almost everybody has at least one. And if not, you know somebody that has one. Maybe it's debt. What else are nothings? Can you think of a nothing? Okay. No nothings out there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Step two. Define or recognize your something. What would your something look like? If you had something for that nothing, what would it look like? So once you define it, you can ask the Lord for a vision of what that is. So ask the Lord to increase in faith, for an increase in faith to believe for your something. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The word overcome means to carry off the victory. The verb implies a battle. I know a lot of Christians that just say, well, God will take care of me and, you know, He'll just bless me. And they don't battle for it. They don't define the nothing. They don't define the something. They just went, God's nice and he's going to bless me. And when he doesn't, they're totally devastated. Um, the boy with the demon. Remember when the disciples couldn't free him, couldn't get him delivered? And it says, and, and the Lord said to them, because of your meager faith. The word in there is meager. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. So that word faith is always a gift. For, it says it's always a gift from God and never something that has to be produced by man, by people. 
so you don't have to work it up, you know, because sometimes we just keep saying that same scripture over and over and over. It's going to happen, right? It says, it's distinct from human belief or confidence, yet involving it. The Lord continuously births, continuously births faith in the yielded believer. The yielded believer. So they can know what he prefers, the persuasion of his will. So if you look up little faith in Matthew 17, meager or little, it said you don't have enough to move the mountain if you just had enough the size of a mustard seed. So if you look at that word meager or little in that verse, it says little in number, low in quantity, few occurrences. The word occurs five times in the New Testament, and each time with Jesus rebuking the problem of failing to hear his voice. I'm like, oops. <laughs> we don't even ask, right, most of the time. So the little faith word describes someone, this is in the commentary, describes someone dull to hearing the voice of God or disinterested in walking intimately with him. I'm like, yeah, disinterested would be that key word right there, right? But here's my favorite sentence out of all that. In contrast, the goal of life is to receive, obey, the Lord's gift of faith in each scene of life. Every scene of your life. So what scene has nothing in it? Isn't that good? So if I think he's in every scene, he'll give me faith for every scene I'm in. And it could be a long play, right? <laughs> Lots of scenes, right? I think I'm going on. <laughs> Too many scenes here. All right, the word nothing. The word nothing means no one, nothing at all. It rules out by definition. It shuts the door and leaves no exceptions, nothing. It declares that no valid example exists, nothing. So what we're asking for is for God's persuasion on a topic. First, we have to get our persuasion out of the way. <laughs> In prophet training, they tell us you cannot have an opinion. You can't be a Republican. You can't be a Democrat. You can't be this. You can't be that. You have to be absolutely neutral and ask God what he wants. Because when you have an opinion, you're going to color the word that you gave. I'm like, don't we all do that all day long, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's hard sometimes to get that out of the way. But if you ask God, what do you think about it? So God created something out of nothing. In the past, he's done that. He still creates something out of nothing. So let's believe in the God who creates something out of nothing. So ask for a vision, a blueprint, an idea of something. What would something look like? Take your nothing and say, God, what would it look like? Because if I made it up, it'd be a whole lot different scene than probably what he made up. Okay, so I want to end with a story and a prayer. So 2022, I went to Regent University to meet with a um, former assistant dean of the law school. I went with a lady that's in charge of an organization. And I was just along. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have anything to offer. I was just there to take notes, kind of help her, help her make some decisions. And she wanted somebody to be a witness and hear what was going on. 
So I'm sitting there behaving, not even blinking an eye. I'm taking notes. And he said, she, she said, we could use this in this organization. I wonder if you could help us. And he said, when I was actually assistant dean of the law school, I could have helped you. Now I can help you, but I'm only an adjunct. I retired, so I could do some things I wanted to do. So I have some influence, but I could probably pass you to somebody else. So I'm just listening. And then he said, just out of nowhere, he said, there was one thing that I wish that had happened that never did. And he said, I always hoped there would be a center. I won't say what it is because it hasn't birthed yet. Um, the center that would help the public. So I'm just sitting there, didn't bat an eyelash. And the lady <laughs> that I was with turned to me and went, go ahead. <laughs> I said, I'm good. She goes, go ahead. <laughs> so I said, well, <laughs> I'm looking at this stern dean. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what went through my little prophet brain right then? was that what if we got two or three prophets together and asked God if it was him or you? If it's your idea, we'll let it go. If it's God's idea, we could ask him, is it still a window for it or is it passed? And he just, stern dean look, you know. He goes, hmm. Didn't say anything else. They went on with the meeting. So we get ready to leave, and he passes me his card, and he says, email me. I'm like, woo, you know. Yeah, I was so excited. Then I'm feeling the pressure of, what if it doesn't work, you know? <laughs> so um, that night, before I went to bed, I emailed him. I think before I'd even gone to bed, he had responded. And all I said was, um, here's what it usually looks like. I will just tell the team it's a mystery project. And then I'll say, could you just ask God what this person needs to know? And so they won't know anything about the project or the person until they've already asked God and they write it down. I said, and then uh, we can get you, you can either come in person to my house or we can do it on Zoom and they'll give you the words and we'll record them and I'll send them to you by email. So he writes back and he said, so we could do it by Zoom? And I said, yes. He said, I'd like to do it by Zoom because the person that's at the university that's over me in this area is working remotely from Hawaii, and I'd like her to be on the call. And I'm like, oh, no, more pressure. <laughs> We're going up the ladder here. <laughs> so I said, okay. <laughs> so we set the night aside, and we did it. I didn't look at their words first. Later, I thought, Esther, maybe you should run through them. You know, but they're getting really good at this. So um, we got the words, and we got them on the phone and made introductions, and I'll never forget it. Everybody's word agreed. There wasn't half that said no and half that said yes. They were all, it's a go. And I'm a seer so I, and a scribe, so I'm like nobbies, just, it just kind of jets out of their mouth. <laughs> they don't even know what they're saying. I'm more of a seer. I see something and I have to negotiate with God, like, what does that mean? And what do you want to, you know, that kind of thing. And I'll write it down. And uh, so I saw a vision, an image that God showed me. And it's like he's in heaven, and there were shelves, not like Ikea Billy cases or whatever. But they were like long, like deep shelves, like blueprints were in it. And he went over to the shelf, and he pulls out a blueprint. And he holds it up, and he dusts it off, and he smiles. And I went, okay. <laughs> I, I was just like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> 
And then he says to me, to get that blueprint from heaven to earth, intercession is the key. So that, that to me was a principle for me, not just for them. I learn a lot. I get blessed by doing this. And um, so he and his leader have decided to do the project, and so they're working on it. So occasionally he'll let us know where it is so we can intercede for them. But um, something out of nothing. I mean, it wasn't even going to happen at all. And all of these people and organizations they were going to start would not have happened. Isn't that beautiful? Absolutely beautiful. So God can make something out of nothing if we allow him to. I mean, you may need to say, I mean, most of us are aware of our nothings. We just got a list. But maybe we're not even aware of the biggest nothing. And we could say, what do you see as my nothing? And then work on that. All right, let's pray. Ask for some divine help here. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I pray that each of us would commit to turn our hearts to you, to engage with you fully, no distractions, a dedicated heart-to-heart time with you, where we listen for your voice, where we ask for an inbirthing of faith. Father, give us faith in an area or areas of our lives where we need it for 2023. We want an inbirthing of faith for family, finances, work, health, relationships, whatever you see that we have need of. We thank you for the increase. We thank you for your instruction. Your word is beautiful to us. We choose to spend time seeking you and yielding to your divine direction concerning 2023 and what we define as nothing. We ask you to make something out of nothing for each of us, even that it would be a testimony for our family line. Bless us with faith that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit, faith that is anchored in your power. May we fully be fully persuaded that you have power to do what you promise. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. So may God bless you and make something out of nothing for you and for your family. Good night.